And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And is what is you know becoming more and more the case, we're not really going to talk about social media, but that's fun because, you know, we have to talk about business, and that really is more about what my program is all about, is business tips and techniques that people can use. And so I am so excited today because we've got an expert on closing today. This is going to be so much fun because everybody just went, ah! and we're going to learn how to do it and how to do it very successfully. And so please join me in welcoming James Muir to the program. Deb, great to be on the show. Great, great. Well, we did meet on social media. See, so this this is the perfect segue. You know, it's it really is, I tell people, you know, Sure, you can be on Facebook and on Twitter and all those things just for fun. And I'm putting that in air quotes. But it is such a great place to be making wonderful business contacts. And, and you know, and, and that is how you and I met was on Facebook. It was a very good advice, too. Uh, a year and a half ago, I wasn't on Facebook at all. And yet I, mm-hmm. I think it, it made a very big difference in the book getting bestseller status. Right. Right. You know, and, and sometimes it comes down to the fact that you've made all of these great connections and if they like you, even in the slightest, they will help you to promote your product, your service, your book, all those various things. And, and, and it just allows us to expand our audience, our friends, our network to places and, and you know, people we never would have before. I, did, I wouldn't have believed it two years ago, but you're right on the money with that. Right. You know, and it's, it's kind of bizarre to think like that, but it is, it is fun. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those questions that people, I'm digressing already. It's one of those questions people always ask me is who should I connect with? And I tell them, you know, sometimes it's not who you're connected with. It's who your connections are connected with. And that's why, you know, it's not always a good thing to say, well, I should only connect with people that are within my zip code or, you know, whatever. Um, because you do, you never know where that next perfect connection is going to be. Agreed completely. Great. Well, before we leap into talking about your book and, and all of your expertise, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So James Muir is a professional sales trainer, author, speaker, and coach. He has an extensive background in healthcare, where he has sold to and spoken for the largest names in technology and healthcare, including HCA, Tenant, Catholic Healthcare, Banner, Dell, IBM, and others. James is the author of the best-selling book, The Perfect Close, The Secret to Closing Sales that shows sales and service professionals a clear and simple approach to increase closed opportunities and accelerate sales to the highest level while remaining genuinely authentic. And, you know, James, let's let's just jump into this. Why did you even decide to write this book? Well, uh, having been a salesperson myself and then later training salespeople, I um, discovered this challenge that some folks have. And Mm -hmm. uh, salespeople and a lot, I end up training a lot of non-sales executives also, entrepreneurs or domain experts. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, they get to this point where they know it's time to ask for some sort of commitment, but they were uncomfortable. Right. And so they would either not know what to say or maybe even saying the wrong stuff, or in most cases, they just wouldn't do anything at all. Mm -hmm. And so this is a result of a little bit of that on my behalf and then a lot of that in seeing it out there on the uh, in the world. Right. You know, and, and I'm guessing that the, the vast majority of people and this is purely anecdotal, but, you know, most people hate and in some people it's with a passion selling. Um, you know, and, and, and of course it's very difficult, especially if you are your, uh, a sole proprietor, an entrepreneur, because you have to be selling, you know, that's the only way you're going to get business. Long gone are the days where we had a product or a service that was so fabulous that it sold itself. Um, you know, and, and, but we don't want to be pushy. We don't want to be the used car salesman, you know, all of those various things. And that's what I liked about your book was it really did break things down in a simple way, you know, and, and folks, it really is a simple process. But you know, one of the keys that stood out was exactly what you said in, in you know, the last part of your bio, remaining genuinely authentic. So why is that so important? Well, if there's anything throughout the entire process that is super important, it's that you're, you're being authentic and that you're conveying that you have a genuine intent to help the other person. It's critical mm -hmm. throughout the, it's especially important at the beginning, but it's important throughout. And uh, for that reason, you know, we say in the book, intent matters more than technique. Right. And the reason for that is in the first few seconds that you meet any person, we, mm -hmm. we all make a couple of judgments. The first is we try to guess what their intent is. That is, are right. these good guys or they, is this a bad guy? And what are they trying to make happen here? And then the second thing that happens is we determine their competency. How capable are they of executing whatever it is that they have in mind? Mm -hmm. And so those two things, they're judging intent and competency, um, all happen in literally split second, right? In the first mm -hmm. time you meet somebody. And a lot of folks in the selling context, they think that if they could just convince the other person that they're the best at solving a problem, that they'll automatically get their favor and get the deal. So they're, fo right. they're focusing on that competency piece of it. But mm -hmm. um, competency is important, but in selling situations, people weigh the intent more. And, mm -hmm. and here's why that is. Um, when it comes to selling situations, especially the complex sales, uh, there's no question that the salesperson can take advantage of the buyer. Right. And that's because the buyer can never fully comprehend or understand all the dimensions of the solution, right? Mm -hmm. And so the seller definitely has the capacity to take advantage of the buyer, and they know that. And, right. and so for that reason, they weigh the intent more heavily. They're going to say, okay, well, I can't fully understand whether or not this person is going to take advantage of me. So I just got to make sure I'm dealing with an honest person here, someone mm -hmm. I can trust. Right. And the really interesting thing is that um, it turns out that we're transmitting our intentions all the time, all like, mm -hmm. like invisibly. And uh, there's three ways that that happens that we talk about in the book. One is mirror neurons. The other is micro expressions and the other is para language. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mirror neurons are very fascinating, very recent discovery uh, by an Italian uh, scientist named Giacomo Rizzolatti, great name. Mm -hmm. And um, they discovered it by accident. They had these monkeys hooked up to um, these, this equipment that would measure their brain activity, and then they would ha mm -hmm. have them do different things, and they'd check and see what their reaction was. Well, one time, one of these scientists is eating a peanut right in front of the monkey, and mm -hmm. the um, this machine what re responded and showed that the pleasure centers of the monkey's brain went off in the same way as if the monkey had eaten the peanut himself. Right. 
it made the monkey feel good that he felt good. Bingo. So there's empathy there. And this is a really amazing discovery. It's very recent. It's like in the last 10 years. And it's mm -hmm. kind of the reason when you go to a movie, you can relate to what's happening to the characters in the movie. Right. We feel what they feel, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's this whole level of invisible communication going on. And whether you uh, know it or not, you're conveying your intent in your, the situation mm -hmm. to the, the prospect of the buyer, right? So it's re right. really important that your intent is, is genuine, right? That you mm -hmm. have their best interests at heart. Right. And, and the, the hard part, though, is that we have to make money, you know, and, 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 and the person that we're trying to sell to knows that. And so there's kind of always that little distrust that's that may be there with them thinking, well, they're going to sell us whatever just because they need to to make their sales quota for the day, the week, the month, whatever. So how do we get past that initial distrust? Well, you you've nailed it, right? In fact, if I had to boil all that down into one word, I would just call it quota, right? And the person knows that there's no, mm -hmm. so we come in suspect from the very beginning, and we have to we have to beat that. Now, there's more than one way to do that, um, and we list a number of ways, but uh, you know, one of the easiest ways to do it is just to state your intent, which is you're, that you're trying to help. It doesn't really matter mm -hmm. if the outcome is one that ends up benefiting you. Great. If not, you're there to help them anyway. And mm -hmm. uh, we recommend in the book, before you meet any person, come up with a way to add value to the person, regardless of the outcome of the meeting. So they're getting some unexpected value from every ah. meeting. And uh, that little aha moment that they get when they experience uh, some unexpected value um, conveys in a very dramatic way, a very memorable way that mm -hmm. you have their best intentions at heart. And we, you do that every time. It's not something that you do just once. You do it every time mm -hmm. you meet with a person. And if there's like a secret to life, it, that's it. Just make every interaction, be present, try to help them as much as you can. And the, um, the financial side of the formula will work out. Right. You mm -hmm. don't have to go, right. go. You don't have to lean into it. You don't have to push. It's not needed. And mm -hmm. uh, especially if once we teach them, there's a way to advance it. So where you're solving their problem and you're getting what you want as well. But uh, when you start to lean in and telegraph to the other person that you're doing it for your benefit and not for their benefit, they pull back. Right. And uh, they'll share less information with you. And as soon as, in most cases, if the other person is convinced that you are being selfish or you have an ulterior motive, they'll actually just cut you off. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty common thing that happens in sales is that clients will go silent once they've gotten mm -hmm. a piece of information or what they think is the last valuable piece of information. They'll they'll just stop communicating with the salesperson altogether. Right. Well, and we all hate when we are on the end of the pushy salesperson, you know, and, and I don't care if it's that you've walked into a store and, uh, you know, they, they pounce on you, you know, how can I help you today? Hello, hello, how can I help you today? You know, or you just want to avoid them, you know, and unless you were there for something very specific and then you can say, okay, I need you to take me to X. But, you know, in many cases, that's not the case. We're all, you know, just kind of thinking about what we want to buy you know, pondering it. Maybe we're, you know, not even thinking about what we wanted to buy. We just wandered in there. And the second they get really pushy, you're right. We draw back. You know, it's, it, it is kind of that, that protective instinct. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's one message I would deliver to salespeople is get off of it. Don't worry about you for a minute. Worry about mm -hmm. actually helping this person solve whatever challenge that they have. You'll get taken care of in the end. Yes, you'll benefit. Right. But if you take your focus off of that, what ends up happening is when you start thinking about it 
what's in it for you. You send these invisible mirror neurons is just one of three ways that we talk about that you, you're sending these wrong signals. And mm -hmm. when you're thinking selfishly, you're unintentionally sending the wrong message to the other person. And that's telling the other right. person, oh, I better not reveal all my cards here because this person has an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. So it's a really important. And what you'll find is that it's very liberating to go into mm -hmm. a meeting thinking, all right, well, let's just see how, how we can help these guys. Right. And if, right. And if you do that, it'll take care of itself. The sale will take mm -hmm. care of itself. Right. And, and you're right. When we, as the salesperson, kind of take that deep breath and step back, the right things happen. And and we're not feeling the pressure to sell. You know, it's it's more then it then it does become kind of that relationship. Exactly right. In fact, a really great way to think about this that have um, my students have responded well to is, you know, whenever anybody is doing something new or um, challenging, everybody would like to have a coach that would help them move forward with that thing at their mm -hmm. own pace, right? Maybe it's you, right. you're helping them with social media or whatever. And it's great to have someone help you with that. And, mm -hmm. um, and so the key is for us before we meet them to you know, give a little thought to what might help them the most, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe we, we will help, we'll suggest those things. But mm -hmm. when our clients are engaging us, they, they're asking us to help them make some kind of positive change. They're expecting, mm -hmm. they're expecting us to be that coach. And so um, they want us to guide them through all these little steps it takes for them to achieve their goals. So really, it's a lot more than just selling here. I mean, we're, it's more than advancing the sale. It's about leadership. It's about coaching. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that I think salespeople can do a lot better job of is coaching clients, serving clients. And, and they can do that a lot better than they're doing today. Right. And that's right. my challenge to them. Be a better coach, be a better problem mm -hmm. solver, be a better teacher. Right. Now, do you find it makes a difference in this whole process if they came to us for the product or service or if we went to them to try to sell it to Those them? Two and I'm not not talking cold call. That's just icky where we're not, you know, but but is there a difference if they've come to us or if, if we've gone to them? There's absolutely a difference. There's a huge difference when they come to you. There's already a need implicit in their reaching out to you. Right. They have, mm -hmm. they have a goal in mind. Um, and so it's very easy for me to say, OK, tell me about your project. Right. And then mm -hmm. they're going to tell me all about it. And then I'm going to offer some advice on the other side. When we are reaching out to them, maybe we know someone or we can see someone that could benefit from something that we have. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very different conversation because they aren't aware. They might even be aware of their problem, actually. And mm -hmm. so we have to um, sort of sell the chance to sell, if you want to say it that way. That's not the right. term I would use. But we have to mm -hmm. first get their attention to say, you know what, there might be a way I can benefit you. And mm -hmm. then once they've, they understood that that's possible, then we can get into a conversation where we can talk about the best ways of doing that. But there's sort of a, a set of mental processes that they have to go through. So they're actually very different. One is more business development is the term that we mm -hmm. would use in sales where we're reaching out to people that maybe aren't aware that they can benefit mm -hmm. from us. The other is responding to demand. Right. Someone calls us and says, hey, I'm looking for help on social media. Can you help me out with that? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and you know, one of the things that I really got from the information you provided, and, and so you've got your book, and then you've got a great uh, host of online resources, was the fact that this, this is something you have to plan and strategize, you know, and, and I think maybe that's where so many people fall short is, and maybe it's because they don't like the process at all. So, you know, they're going to spend as little time on it as possible. But you really talk about a lot of steps that need to be taken 
before maybe you even have that initial meeting. So why is that so important? Well, if there's a key, if there's a key to adding value, it's planning, right? It's okay. just thinking just a little bit about where they're at and mm -hmm. uh, where we can add value before we get there. And mm -hmm. so there's a couple key things that we want to do when we're planning. And uh, as you mentioned, we provide a lot of resources to, depending on the kind of meeting that you're having, you know, what to think about before you go into mm -hmm. the meeting and what kinds of things you can prepare for. Um, but uh, it, it, at the very minimum, we want to think, well, what, what do we want the outcome to be of this meeting? Mm -hmm. What's the ideal outcome of this meeting? What, you know, and then just in case that uh, the person we're talking to is not necessarily ready for that, we would like to have a couple of alternatives that we, right. that we could go to. And mm -hmm. so with that prepared, that's, I would say that is the, the bare minimum. Uh, there mm -hmm. are a couple other things you can do to add value to the that, that you can plan for. And we can talk about that if you want. But when you go into the meeting, at some point during the meeting, um, you'll know, right? There'll be this moment. And, mm -hmm. and at that moment, we'll say, well, does it make sense for us to? And then we're going to suggest to them what we think maybe the ideal outcome would be. Right. And and they're they're going to say with that kind of a question, does it make sense to do whatever? They're, they're going to only respond to either yes or no with that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first question of the two questions that are in the perfect close is, does it make sense for us to X? And right. X is right. the ideal advance that we planned out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's so low pressure. I like that. You know, you're, you're, you're putting it back kind of on them in a very gentle way to determine how things progress without saying, hey, are you ready to buy? Yes. In fact, there's a really big difference between asking, will you buy and does it make sense? At its mm -hmm. core, does it make sense is a timing question, right? We're just asking right. them, is the timing right for this? Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, they can see that that's the direction we're going to head for, right? So like, mm -hmm. is the timing right for us to do a interview? Well, sure, mm -hmm. right? Well, then let's schedule the interview. If they say no, then we'll use the second question, which is, okay, well, what's a good next step then? Right. And that's the most basic version of um, of the basic close. But and then what will happen in 90 percent of cases if we just say, OK, well, what's a good next step is is they actually suggest a very appropriate next step for where they're at right, right. right now. And in that way, we're still moving forward, but we're moving forward mm -hmm. at the pace that they're ready for. Mm -hmm. right. Now, contrast that to what you said earlier, which is we're not asking them to buy. Right. Because mm -hmm. if I say, will you buy my stuff? And they say, no, we're emotionally in a much lower state. And yeah, and then you're stuck. What do you say? Bingo. Uh. Yeah. Whereas if we just say, does it make sense for us to do this? They can tell the direction that we're going, mm -hmm. right? And they're going to tell us either yes or no. If they say yes, great, we're off to the races. We might even ask them, oh, well, you know, other people at this stage often do this other thing. You know, do you, does it make sense to do that too? Mm -hmm. And that way we're pacing it. Maybe it's going to go a little faster for this client because they're ready to go faster. On, right. on the other hand, they might say, oh, I don't know. Right. And then we could if we're trying to be facilitated, we might say, well, other mm -hmm. other clients at this stage often do this other thing. Is that something mm -hmm. you'd be interested in doing? And that 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 would be one of our alternatives that we planned. And mm -hmm. and that's back to your question is, all right, well, if we have those things, we went into our meeting thinking just a little bit about what what outcome we want. It lets us very facilitative in a non-confrontational, zero pressure way suggest, hey, does it make sense for us to do this? And that way, um, regardless of their outcome, we, we slowly get momentum. We ultimately move it at the pace that the client's ready for. Right. And if the answer is no, and it's it's not a no, not now, just a, a no, okay, then you cut your losses and you go on to something else. But, you know, very rarely probably is that going to happen if you've done your planning in advance, you know, if you've kind of pre-qualified these folks. And, and I think that's where a lot of salespeople fall down is 
and maybe it's, you know, they're, they're so desperate for the business, for their quotas, for all of those various things that they talk to anybody who will talk to them. And, and so they're spinning their wheels and wasting their time on people that they really shouldn't have been talking to more than just saying, hi, how are you? Hope you have a nice day. Boom. You met, you nailed it. Like literally in the 5% of cases where this doesn't work, it's really because they were talking to someone that really they had no business talking to. Mm -hmm. uh, to begin with. Now, you can even take really weak prospects and advance them, albeit slowly, right. using the same method, right? Does it make sense mm -hmm. for us to do this? Well, we just pace it at the way. Maybe it's going to take a year for them mm -hmm. to finally get there, moving at their pace. But it always is continually moving forward, right? So right. We, at worst case, we're deepening the pipeline. We have a lot mm -hmm. of opportunities to work. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in the cases where uh, they, it just doesn't make sense, well, you're talking to the wrong person. And there's this it's like you said with the new salespeople, there's this theory out there, this myth that there's a magic thing that a salesperson can say that will suddenly become so persuasive. The other person is overcome and they have to buy the thing that you. Right. This is not that. I mean, there is no such thing. It doesn't work like that. What you're trying to do is help them facilitate a decision that they're they wouldn't come to you if they could make this decision without you. Right. If they couldn't make it without you, they wouldn't even need you there. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to help them think through the process so that, mm -hmm. so that they've got all of their um, all of the components that they need to understand all nailed down so that they're comfortable moving to the next stage. Right. And, you know, we talk about doing your work in advance and, and you know, you might not know that exact person and their needs, but you know the general, you know, maybe every procurement officer or every meeting planner or, you know, some things like that. So you can anticipate a lot of their questions and, and obviously anticipate their needs. Yeah. When you're in your own business, you should have a good idea of what the logical steps are that a person goes through to, to, make, mm -hmm. to make a decision. And those would be probably the outcomes, the ideal advance or maybe the alternate advances that you might consider. But I have found having managed lots of sales people myself that it's a very good process even ideally they'll know this okay but in some cases if I hire a new guy today you can actually use the does it make sense and if not what's a good next step then and that salesperson is productive immediately by asking the right. two non-confrontational questions that what's a good next step then lets the uh, lets a customer kind of tell the salesperson what the next step is right. even if they themselves don't know it mm -hmm. so they end up learning it on the fly it's a very, mm -hmm. it's a very facilitative way. Um, and it's one of the things I found to be perfect when you have got a brand new inexperienced salesperson, you can mm -hmm. teach them this and it walks them through it. Right. Well, and knowing that next step is then how you really get to know that client because maybe you find out, well, you know, they've, they've already spent their budget for the quarter or, um, you know, they're, they're just not ready to buy, but they will be in six weeks or, you know, all of these various things. And then you're right. You know exactly what to do and, and how to proceed from there. Well, that's the second benefit of doing it this way is when you ask them, does it make sense? Their response to that question tells us where they're at in the, okay. in the buying process. And if they're able to buy. I mean, that might be their response, too, is, well, this, this sounds great, but I'm not the person you should be talking to. Right. So maybe the next thing that makes sense is for them, for us to talk to an executive or someone else mm -hmm. that's, you know, in a different place in the company. Right. You know, and, and it's, you know, it really does seem like this makes it such a simple process, but you know, we've, we've all gotten, you know, we've had the hard sale, all those various things. And, and it's so funny. I was just sitting here thinking about many years ago, my very first date with my husband, um, he was, was going to buy a new car. 
he'd researched it. He'd talked to the dealer. He had done all those things. And we literally were supposed to stop in, trade the car, get the keys to the new one and leave and then go to dinner. I mean, you know, this was going to be quick, fast now, you know, all those things. And and then the worst salespeople in the world got a hold of us and, you know, wanted to change the deal, wanted to do this, wanted to do that. And hours later, we were still there. And the salesman said one of those things, which we always cringe when, when we hear people sales it, or people say, what can I, and he's telling me now this whole time, they can't figure out who I am, you know, and they had no clue. It was our first date. And he looks at me with all his salesman sincerity in the world. And he says, ma'am, what can I do to put you in this car today? Man. Well, it's like nine o'clock at night. And I said, if you feed me, you've got my vote. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he actually did go out and get a pizza. But the funny thing is we ended up not, we, my husband ended up not buying from them because they had been so, um, negative in a, in a lot of ways, you know, it was because the deal had been worked out and then they wanted to change it. And, you know, and, and it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, it, 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 they, 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 it seemed like they really didn't want to sell the car. That was the funny thing about it. But, you know, and I think that's where we get these negative stereotypes and we, you know, we laugh about the used car salesman, but you know, it, it is somebody who has to meet the quotas and, you know, and, and especially if they are strictly on commission, you know, we know that. And, and the funny thing is, if you're the buyer, that gives us the, the, the advantage. And I think that's what so many people forget is when we're selling something, if we come across as desperate, well, then they know they can take advantage of that. Yeah, it's just uh, I'm sure that experience left a bad taste in your mouth. And it reminds me of a, a story. Um, I had a sales rep where a client calls me on the phone and says, I, I don't want to work with your guy anymore. You're, yeah. mm -hmm. So I said, well, tell me about it. What's going on? And he said, well, I can tell anytime I talk to this guy, he's got commission breath. That's the word he used. Commission, uh -huh. commission I breath. love that. Commission and breath. That, that word, that, that phrase just stuck with me forever after that because it perfectly conveys exactly the intent that we're trying to not send mm -hmm. when we're with it, right? And that's what these car guys are doing with you is they're sending you the wrong signal. They're not, they're, they're trying to sell you a car. They're not trying to help you get the right vehicle. And, mm -hmm. uh, that, that perspective has to be turned around. Uh, you're just facilitating. If you do that in a good way and you're selling a good product, then there'll be plenty of opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, talk to us more about what you mentioned a, a while ago about adding value right from the very start. Okay. Well, um, so there's some interesting studies on that. So Huthwaite, uh, which is a, a company that does research, um, they did uh, some research in this area. And what they found is there are these three areas where a customer was willing to pay a premium for the solution. Uh, so uh, even if two people had a solution that were identical, there was this set of scenarios where if these things were true, they were willing mm -hmm. to pay more for the solution. So here's what they are. If the seller identified an unanticipated solution, that means mm -hmm. you had a solution to a problem that they didn't know was there. Um, if the seller identified a unrecognized problem, so you have a problem, but you didn't realize you had a problem until we edu mm. educated you about mm -hmm. it. And then the, the last one is the seller identified an unseen opportunity. I mean, there was a place where they could get a benefit, but they didn't realize that it was possible. Mm -hmm. In those cases, right, and in, in, in our industry, that's the word that's going around to describe these things is insight, right? That's the mm -hmm. word that's going around. But in, right. in these three contexts, if we describe for them 
a solution they didn't know that existed or we identify a problem that they may have they didn't realize or there's an opportunity there that they didn't anticipate. In those cases, they're willing to pay more than, mm-hmm. uh, than other cases. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we want to do when we meet with them. Well, let's just take a minute to try. By the way, what's common among all those three? Right. Oh, I don't know. I just drew a blank. Well, the, the, <laughs> the common thing between all three is they're unexpected. They're a surprise. Right. It's, it's all right. a surprise, right? right? So when we plan to meet with somebody, we want to... We, we don't telegraph in advance everything, right? We do want mm-hmm. to create an agenda. That's a great idea. However, we want to hold back just a little bit so that the experience itself and working with the salesperson is inherently valuable all by, right. all by itself. We want to provide one of these three things so that they get that aha moment of, wow, mm-hmm. I learned something here, right? He cares about me. Bingo, bingo, right? Deb taught me something now. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that I spent some time with her. Mm-hmm. That aha moment adds value to your solution, even if it's not even related to your product, by the way. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's fascinating research, but the key, again, goes back to that planning question that you asked earlier, which is before I meet with them, I'm going to ask, there's three, there's really three magic questions they should be asking. Why should this client see me? Mm-hmm. Why, what do I want the client to do, right? Those are our advances mm-hmm. we just talked right. about. And mm-hmm. how can I provide value on this encounter, inherent value? Mm-hmm. And that last one is these three things, right? What can I do that maybe I, they didn't identify a help with a problem they didn't realize that they had or, or tell them mm-hmm. about a solution they didn't expect or that there's potential there that they didn't realize. If we plan that before we meet with them and then we share that with them, they will see us as a asset. They won't see us as the guy that's selling the stuff. They'll mm-hmm. see us as a consultant and a facilitator, and they're willing to pay a premium in that context. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, it's, sometimes it is in the, the 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 something that you give them. Um, you know, like you give uh, first three chapters of your book away, and you know, and and you have all these other resources, and it's it it is. It's kind of one of those where you start into it, and then you think, oh, this is really valuable. I need to know more. Exactly right. And that's what I'm hoping is happening. And when, I, when we offer that stuff on the way, I'm hoping that someone gets an aha moment and think, hey, I think that's that's useful, right? I, I mm-hmm. might want to check out the whole book or I might want to talk to James. So uh, those are things that uh, we can do. In fact, we go to some depth. If uh, if you, if you want to share that with your uh, audience, there's yes. there's nine things you can do if you're trying to like if you're if you're stuck, right? You're thinking, how mm-hmm. can I add value to this meeting? Right. Um, there are some things that you can do to. Uh, to add value to the meeting. And mm-hmm. uh, if we if we boil them down, there would be uh, basically, uh, we could boil them down into seven probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in that sense, the first thing, and number one thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna add insight okay. uh, to the meeting. We're gonna share with them uh, something about uh, their business or something about the solution that uh, they didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. And, um, those are uh, industry-specific types of things that um, if you pay attention to what's going on in your space, that you'll be able to you know, provide those for your clients uh, every time you meet. And you, mm-hmm. you can kind of th- – those things, uh, while they are somewhat client-specific, you know, we can also um, use them across clients. So that, right. that's probably the biggest and main thing that we do to add value is uh, to add insight. So mm-hmm. uh, the second thing uh, that we can add uh, to the client's experience is just to think a little bit about where they're at in their buying process, where they're at mm-hmm. the buying process helps us understand um, 
you know, what they're going to value most at that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we can ask questions around that. So um, the, the questions is the second thing. And we, we spent a little time thinking about what, what, what creates a valuable question. Mm-hmm. About 90% of all questions, when they go out with salespeople in the field and they summer and they survey what they're what they're doing, about 90% of the questions are, are just fact-finding questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are things that the other person already knows the answer to. So they, they're actually of zero value to the to the client or to the prospect. Mm-hmm. They're all for the selfish benefit of the salesperson. Right. So when we're trying to add value with our questions, we don't want to be asking that kind of a question. We want to be mm-hmm. asking questions that they don't know the answer to already. And so it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of thought goes into that in asking a question that causes them to cognate just a little bit, right, mm-hmm. about their process. Or yeah, there's lots of different ways uh, to do it, and we go through some of those. But you know, maybe an example that might be, you know, as you put together your evaluation team, how will you determine which priorities are going to be the most heavily weighted items? Okay. They may have never thought this before. Right. They, they, mm-hmm. may have, they may have never sat down and think, what are our priorities for this project? Mm-hmm. Well, you just you just added value to them because you're forcing them to think in a brand new way. Right. And you're acting very much as a consultant when you do when you ask those kinds of questions. And so there's a, a bit of a formula to asking. You don't want to ask. My experience is you don't want to ask more than three or four of these high value type questions like that or mm-hmm. get fatigued out. But what you'll right. what you'll find is that we're teaching them that when, when we're with them, that our the experience is valuable inherently, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the, uh, and maybe I'm taking too much time on this, but the- Oh no, it's great. Uh, adding value um, by asking questions is probably the second thing. Um, mm-hmm. You can just share new ideas, but maybe from their industry, maybe not. Um, what's interesting about new ideas, it's a, is that the client doesn't have to use the ideas for them to feel valuable mm-hmm. to them. So I, I think of it this way. Um, my wife gave me a lot of guff one year for giving me a, a present that I really wanted, but I never, ever used. Ah. And and um, the truth is, though, I really did value the gift. I just mm-hmm. uh, just just because I didn't use it. Uh, but I imagined myself using it. And so there's some mm-hmm. there's some humor. But the truth is, studies show as long as the client um, uh, it finds the idea new and relevant and interesting, uh, that, mm-hmm. that can add value to the experience. Right. So. Um, just to go quick, uh, you can deliver some education that they didn't have before. Um, and uh, beyond that, you, we can uh, offer them you know, news and things like that. So those are mm-hmm. all different ways of adding. But really, the, that's a descending order list of, of mm-hmm. things that they can do um, to add value inherently to them. And what it, right. all it takes is a little bit of planning. We provide some forms that help that so that you're thinking, okay, what is the unexpected value that I'm going to add to this? Meeting? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, as somebody who might be on the receiving end of that, just to know that that salesperson took the time to really think through all of that and and research me, that's going to give a leg up to them. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is great. You know, the the tricky thing, though, is for the, the, the salesperson to not come across as condescending, you know, the, the, well, you know, did you know type of, of thing. And so more than anything, I think a lot of, of, uh, what happens is it just takes practice. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. And again, in the preparation and then just understanding that every client is unique. There is 
mm-hmm. matter how much preparation you do, you are not going to have their situation nailed down. You, right. you will not know that going into the meeting. So mm-hmm. um, you can still add some things. You'll say other clients in our space have tended to experience these kinds of things. Or mm-hmm. We get value from doing these kinds of things. What do you guys see? Right. right now we're now we're just we're priming their thinking around some mm-hmm. benefit that another person got and then we're throwing it back to them and say okay well tell me what your experience is with this mm-hmm. we don't we don't right. we don't make the assumption that that thing that worked for your other client always works for every client mm-hmm. right well and i like you know putting it back to them now you know tell us your experience tell us you know and and all of those things because then we're not making the assumptions and we're getting all the you know getting all the way down the path and then finding out we went down the wrong path. <laughs> yes, which can happen, right? So we don't make assumptions. In fact, if there's a thing, so, uh, someday I'll write a whole book on discovery, but one of the keys mm-hmm. is just to ha- have a good, complete understanding of where the client is at, what they're trying to accomplish, and mm-hmm. and, the, and the situation that they're in, You know, all the context around that. And that takes us right back to that intent because there's right. this dysfunctional thing that happens, right? As soon as I detect that you, you have a motive, right? And mm-hmm. that you're just gathering information so you can sell me. Well, mm-hmm. that makes me pull my cards closer to my chest. I'm not going to share all that information because I don't want you to use it against me, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that something like that happened in your experience with the guys in the car. But mm-hmm. as soon as we're convinced that the other person is actually just trying to help, then mm-hmm. we'll divulge that information. Let me give you a really a, a strong example of this. So, okay. Um, in my business, we do a lot of in healthcare space outsourcing of the revenue cycle, and so mm-hmm. at at a very at some point we need to understand with some level of detail all the financials of this organization because we won't know how to uh, price our services or any of that unless we know where they're at financially. Right. Well, this is sensitive information, mm-hmm. right? And so um, yeah, we have to get good at helping them understand we're trying to help you. And the only way for me to help you is to have a clear picture of it. So uh, another faster way of saying it is, you know, diagnosis without an exam is malpractice. So Mm -hmm. we need to make a good diagnosis. Once we have a good diagnosis, then we can propose a solution. But we don't. But if you went to a doctor and as soon as you walked in, as soon as the doctor walked in, he said, we got some great drugs here. I know you'll like it without asking you a single question, you would not go back to that doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a, it's a dysfunctional thing that happens with salespeople. But again, tying it back to that intent, if the customer senses that that's what you're trying to do, then they're gonna not, they're, they're gonna not give you the information that you need. And, right. and now our process is messed up, right? Yeah, or sometimes we have fun with it and we give the wrong information. Oh, that's the worst, right? Now you're solving <laughs> the complete wrong problem. Mm-hmm. So, but that I, I I confess, I have seen it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where they resent the salesperson. And so it's just right. very, uh, the whole thing is, it's, I, I won't say that it's easy to do because at first we're, you know, you're trying to put food on the table. And so you're leaning in to the sales so hard because you want mm-hmm. an outcome, but you really got to let all that go and just try to help customers uh, right. take care of their challenges. And mm-hmm. not every customer might be someone that you can help, right? Mm-hmm. In, right? In fact, in some cases, it might be some, a person that you discover could be helped better by another client or right. by another, another yeah. person or another. You know, I've, I've had that happen where I've referred business elsewhere and then people have said, oh my gosh, you know, why did you do that? And I've said, you know, I could have done that task, you know, develop that website. You know, great example. I don't like developing websites, but I can develop websites. And, you know, so sure, I could do that, but it's not what I like to do. The client is going to know that it's not really something that I like to do. 
And by referring it to somebody who is better at it and who knows, you know, really loves doing that, I made them happy, I made the client happy, and I'm happy. You know, and, and everybody then hopefully remembers that happy, and they come back to me when they need what I can do. Or they'll refer someone to you, right? right. And then um, let's just carry that forward. Let's take it to the client that you did do it, right? You knew you could do a great job, and you do a great mm -hmm. job for that client. Well, if there's a shortcut in selling, this is it right here, is you just do a great job for one client, and then you have that client help you get another client. Yes, and word of mouth marketing. That's it. That's it. And so because... You are suspect as a salesperson. So if you can just mm -hmm. reference another happy client and say, hey, well, why, why don't you go talk to them and see if it's legit, if it's real? Mm -hmm. Well, that is, will do more than any amount of persuasive language that you could come up with as a salesperson. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, that uh, eventually, at some point, every great salesperson I've ever met has this moment in their lives where they, where they discover that, you know, if I just help this customer get what they want, I'll get everything that I want. Right. Right. Because, yeah, not only do they buy whatever it is from you, maybe they even buy more. So that's good. But then they're going to tell their friends or their business associates, oh, my gosh, you have got to work with Jane. And the headaches are less. Right. Because you were able right. to actually solve this person's problem. And the one you one, the mm -hmm. ones you can't you 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 refer out to someone else. Right. And right. it makes it easy to sleep at night. Yeah. And, and hopefully we all are ethical people and we're not going to sell just to sell. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and it does get tricky because it's kind of hard to pay those bills if you don't have money, but you know, <clears throat> we also don't want to be thinking, Oh, I really shouldn't have sold them that. No, you don't want that. You get bad clients when that happens and then you, re mm -hmm. and then you regret it. So the truth is it's faster. I know it's hard right. at first when you want it so bad, it's hard to believe that, Oh no, I, if I, if I just misrepresent just a little bit with this client that I'll, you know, I can get this business. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Right. No deal. Right. No deal. No amount of money is worth compromising mm -mm. your integrity for. No, no. Let's go back to the two perfect questions that are in the, the perfect close. So, so again, what was the first one? Okay. The first one in it, the, there are actually five variations of the perfect right. close. So the one, and you've got a great chart on your website that kind of walks through this. You know, you can download all of them for free. It's, it's all, the whole secret is sitting right there on the website. If you just go download it. <laughs> um, the, the first model is, is, is very simple. Does it make sense for us to X where, mm -hmm. where X is an ideal advance? And then if they, if they say no to that, we'll fall back to, Oh, well, what's a good next step then? That's, that's the first grade level of, of the perfect close. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the second grade or the next level is what we would call the suggestion. And this mm -hmm. requires that you understand, you know, the steps that your client typically goes through when they make a, a purchase. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, we, we might say, you know, other clients at this stage tend to do X. Does, mm -hmm. does it make sense for us to do X? Right. Right. And then, and so we're just suggesting that because we've got some experience. I, I'm in a, a space where some people make the decision to work with an outsourced company maybe once in a lifetime. They, they mm -hmm. do not have a lot of experience with this. So we have more experience than they do. So by suggesting a logical next step, we're adding value. We're helping them out. Right? Mm -hmm. And then let's just, there's only two things again. They're either going to say yes, or they're going to say no. If they say yes, mm -hmm. great. We make our appointment. If they uh, say no, then we'll say instead of, you know, what's a good next step where we give, we mm -hmm. let them decide it. We might suggest another possibility for them mm -hmm. because again, this is unfamiliar to territory for them. So right. we might say, you know, other clients then at this stage sometimes do this, 
Does it make sense to do mm-hmm. that? So we would, mm-hmm. we would call that the fallback. So mm-hmm. in either case, that's why we wanted to plan an ideal advance and a couple of alternatives. Now, I'll right. tell you an interesting story is this works both ways, right? So you could, if a client says no, you can fall back to one of your other advances, but very often it goes the other way. And, mm-hmm. and I had one group uh, in Sierra Vista, Arizona, where we walked in, we knew we were presenting to the wrong people. And so our goal was to present to the right people. Right. That was our ideal outcome. And mm-hmm. so we, we asked him that and he said, yes. So this is what we call the add-on. And uh, so he says, sure. Yeah. Let's schedule it for the other group. I went, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's, let's go for the next one on our list. Say so other clients at this stage also um, very often have our technical teams get together to make sure that we're, you know, we can leverage all of your equipment. Does that mm-hmm. make sense for us to do that? And he goes, mm-hmm. absolutely. That is a fantastic idea. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, we're two for two here, right? Hey, yeah, we're moving along. <laughs> exactly. So I said, all right, well, um, very often at this stage, um, it makes sense for us to take a look at the specs in case we have to do a conversion. Does it make sense for us to get a hold of your specs so we can see what kind of conversion we can do? And the guy says, mm-hmm. that is a fabulous idea. So I'm out of gas. I've only prepared for three things. Right. The guy took me up on all three. Uh-huh. And, the, and, and so then you end, instead of what's a good next step, right, as the ending mm-hmm. for the fallback, for the add-on, what we say is, are there any other logical things we should be thinking about right now? Right. Because they might have those in mind. Yes, exactly. And this guy did. He goes, you know what? This will blow your mind. He goes, our, our legal department is kind of slow. Is there any chance we could get a copy of your agreement so that they can start looking at it now? Ah. And I am like, I would have never. You're doing cartwheels. I would have never dreamed in a million years that I could have gotten mm-hmm. that guy a copy of my contract as an advance, right? And mm-hmm. think about it. If I'd asked him that out of the shoot, it probably right. it probably wouldn't have gone over. Oh, red well, flags would have gone yeah, up because yeah. it was like, why are you assuming that you're going to get this deal? Bingo, right? We would have, but because this is just a perfect example of why pacing is so important, right? The right, mm-hmm. the perfect close is the close that the, the client is ready for right now. And mm-hmm. so we're just, we just paced it all the way. And in this case, we ended up getting four advances in this one meeting where I was only hoping to be able to present to the next group of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, it is about taking the logical steps. You know, sure, you wanted to go in at that first meeting and have the home run and come out with the sales contract or the, you know, the contract for whatever it was, but it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, or usually it's not going to happen. Let me put it that way. And so you were prepared to, to be in this for the long haul. Correct. And in fact, the health weight research shows that in, in like um, any 10 meetings with a client, nine of, mm-hmm. nine of them are not going to be meetings where you could actually conceivably get a contract. Right. Now that's different for every industry. Some, you know, maybe that number is four or three or something like that. But the, the, mm-hmm. the key here is that there's a lot of little asks up to the, mm-hmm. up to the big ask. Right. And so we want to just plan around that and pace this at that pace. And this mm-hmm. way of doing it does it in a non-confrontational, zero pressure way that lets the customer tell us what they're ready for. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, one of the things that you talk about is to to not really get into the this is how much it's going to cost stage too early. You know, and and, and part of that is, you know, it's it's just too anticipatory, but what happens if somebody does, you know, early on in the process say, okay, James, tell me what this is going to cost? Well, there, there's more than one way to handle it, but what's happening is is they're short-circuiting the buying process, right? They, mm-hmm. is they, it's hard for you to establish a value 
if you haven't had a conversation about what the customer is trying to accomplish, right? right? So usually uh, the, the technique that I tend to go with on this is I try to get them off of it. So I let them know my intent, right? So this would be an mm -hmm. example of getting my intent out on the table and say, you know, my, and this is, this is the truth, right? My, throughout my entire career, what has worked for me is to just to do a really great job for a client. And then if I do that, then they recommend me to other clients. And right. because of that, I don't need to make maximum dollars on every deal. Mm -hmm. I don't. So I, what I promise is I will get you the best deal possible. Okay. But what I want to do first mm -hmm. is let's just make sure this is the right thing for you guys. Right. And, and that, what that does is it lets them know, hey, look, you're going to get a good deal. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure we're solving the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it works 90% of the time, mm -hmm. right? Occasionally you'll get somebody that's just all hung up on the price. And that's a red, mm -hmm. that's a red flag for us about whether. Right. Yeah. Because price. for the most part, you know, even if you're selling widgets, there are variations to the widgets. There's, you know, there's, there's different things that you can do to give them different pricing, all those various things. And so the second you have said, well, each widget is $2, then you're stuck at saying, you know, each widget is $2. Right. Because they, they're not taking into account all the other ways that you can add value to your mm -hmm. opportunity. And there are a ton of ways, by the way, that you can add value. And we spent a lot of time, right. a lot of time on that in chapter nine. Right. Well, and kind of along that theme is the fact that you talk about you, one of the variations is that you can, you can offer them, and I'm putting this in, not in air quotes, I'm putting this in big quotes, something special. You're not saying, hey, I can give you a 10% discount. I can give you one month free. I can give you You're saying something special. So why is it so important that we're, we're not being so specific, but we're offering something special? So, all right. So let me just tell you where this came from. So it, the, the fifth variation of um, the uh, perfect close is called something special. And it came from uh, my experience as a new, fresh field salesperson in a publicly traded company. So um, this is back in the days where we, we didn't use computers so much and we had a whiteboard. And on this whiteboard, I had 10 opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them was almost ready to close and the other nine were somewhere in the process. Uh -huh. And so um, anyone who's worked for a publicly traded company will recognize this pattern. But what happens is towards the end of the quarter, they call us on the phone and say, we're having a tough quarter. We need you to go out there and close all of your opportunities so that we can post some good num right. numbers to Wall Street, right? Uh -huh. So they said, you, they literally gave us a directive to offer discounts to all 10 of the opportunities, hoping mm -hmm. that these discounts would accelerate the sale into the current quarter, right? That's, right. The, that's what they're going for. So mm -hmm. being a, you know, brand new, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed soldier, I go out there and I offer discounts to all of the, all 10 of the groups, okay? Mm -hmm. So guess, I'll just throw it out to you. How, how, what percentage of those 10 do you think actually closed inside the quarter like corporate wanted? Now, probably less than half. <laughs> one. Oh dear, 10%. The one, oh. the one that was already ready to go. Uh-huh, Right. Uh -huh. All right, so... Uh, and, and then, of course, what happens is I'm into the next quarter and now these other opportunities are they're further along in the process and now mm -hmm. they're, they're ready to close. And they want the same discount. Boom, you nailed it. They, you think they forgot about the discount? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. They all remembered the discount. And we told them unequivocally, if you, you, you will not get this discount, it has to happen by the end of this quarter if you're going to. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Not a, they don't care. Not a one of them forgot that. And mm -hmm. so 
uh, I was wondering, what am I going to do? It was a, very, a big conundrum because I thought I'm going to destroy all the goodwill that I've built up with these clients by refusing mm-hmm. to give them that discount. Well, mm-hmm. as fate would have it, we had another tough quarter and the call from corporate came again and said, <laughs> you got to do this. Go ahead yeah. and do it all over again. So this mm-hmm. is this ridiculous roller coaster that corporate companies, publicly traded companies get on and they mm-hmm. literally train their customers to discount. So this is the, the what triggered this thinking about something special. Is I thought there must be some way to ask this question in a way that doesn't telegraph the, um, the discount to the client because right. uh, actually ultimately we got eight of those 10 deals, but hmm. seven of those eight came in at a far lower margin because, right. because we had early early on, we had telegraphed this discount, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking there must be a way to find out if they're ready without telling them we're going to give a discount. Right. Okay. So that now with that huge backdrop story, here's what, what I came up with is uh, you ask the question. It's similar to the other closes, but it sounds like this. Does it make sense for us to see if we can do something special for you if we can get things wrapped up by like the end of the month? And a quarter, whatever your company is looking for, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. the deadline is. So let's let's dissect that just a bit. Okay. So we ask him, does it make sense to see if we can do something special if we can get Mm -hmm. by our deadline? So we haven't really can we haven't told them what something special is. So one of two things is gonna happen. They're gonna say, Well, what's something special, right? Right. (laughs) That's what they're gonna say. Or they're gonna say, Mm -hmm. No, there's no chance I can do this. And And then you you know, okay, well, uh, enough. Exactly. And so there's no reason for me to keep pursuing it because they Mm -hmm. can't get it done. And if they ask you, well, what's something special? You're you're an advocate. You're saying, Mm -hmm. actually, I don't know. But if you think it could happen before the end of the quarter, I will go ask the corporate guys to see if there's something special we can do. Right. Right. So let me tell you. Or do you put it back on them? Do you say, you know, what would you think would be something special? That is exactly what I do. So um, let me tell you a funny story. So, um, uh, again, I'm managing a sales rep and the sales rep is at the end of the quarter. He's got a client that's got everything all done. He's got a copy of the proposal and everything. So it looks like it could close. Right. And there's five days, mm-hmm. there's five days left in the quarter. And this rep comes up to me and he says, can we offer a discount? And um, I said, well, yeah, we, that's one of the things we could do. But there's a lot of different things we could do. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to ask him this. And we wrote down something special verbatim, right? Does mm-hmm. it make sense to do right. something special for the end of the quarter? And um, so he, he takes it. He goes. He asks the question of the guy. And, I, and uh, I see him later in the hallway all looking dejected. And I go, how'd your call go? And he says, oh, the guy got mad. The guy got mad at me. And now I have to go do a new proposal with a bigger discount. I'm going Gosh, that's not, yeah, that's not yikes. That's not usually how that goes down. So mm-hmm. now this is years ago before there was a law. So what I uh, I did is we were recording all these calls. So I went and listened to the call. Mm-hmm. And on the call, instead of saying, does it make sense to see if we can do something special? He says, I can get you a discount if you'll close. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Right? That is totally and completely different. It's a two-stage question. Right. Mm -hmm. First one is a timing question. And then they say, well, you know, I'll go figure out what something special is. And Mm -hmm. uh, like you noted, if they say, yes, we could. Now, let me finish the story before I I talk about different concessions. Um, I on this call, this guy said he had a board meeting on the fifth of the next month and there was Mm -hmm. no way he could get all of his people together 
before that meeting. And that made him mad because he thought he had the final proposal in his hand and he was going to present that to his team. Ah. So that's what mm -hmm. got him all agitated is he thought he had our best and final, but uh, right. obviously he didn't because the rep mm -hmm. helped him with a discount. Mm -hmm. So that's what caused him to have to, to uh, issue a new proposal with a new discount. Now, we ultimately did get the deal, but of course, at a lower margin than we would. Right. And I could tell from the conversation on the phone that he was sold. There was, mm -hmm. there was no need to offer concession. It was going to happen right. again anyway. Now, might have had to have waited until the 5th, but that's the timing. Thing. That's it. And I'm just not everyone agrees with me on this, um, Deb, but uh, there's only about 10, 15 percent control you have over the timing of a deal right. anyway. So don't don't uh, using a. A, uh, discount to try to accelerate a sale is not a strong tactic. Mm -hmm. Well, and of course, the tricky thing with discounts is, you know, as you mentioned, they're always going to say, well, you know, why couldn't I have had that price to start with? Or I want to, you know, later on, well, hey, you offered me that discount in the past. Or even worse, they talk to other people and they say, oh, well, they offered me a discount of 15%. What do you mean you only got an offer of 10%? You know, it's just all of those various things start playing into Total this. Total nightmare. So let's go where you were going, which is um, the salesperson, especially the new ones, they seem to think the only lever that they have is the discount. But the truth is your client values a lot more things than just the money. So mm -hmm. I usually throw it back to them and say, well, what would you value the most? And so right. just to help the folks on this call that are thinking, well, there's only money. That's all there is. There are a lot more things than money. For example, mm -hmm. um, there might be terms. How, what are the terms right. that they're going to pay the money? Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, what are the options on financing? Or mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, we work with organizations that don't have a lot of capital budget, but they have a lot of operational budget. And that uh -huh. has different tax implications. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we can move the money instead of making it a big upfront purchase. We can just move it into the ongoing component of it. And it's a win. Mm -hmm. It's a win for them. Right. So understanding how they want to get it. Um, lets you know what something's it tells you what the concession could be we are talking mm -hmm. about a concession here but what what's ideal is that you offer concession that's of low cost to you but of high right. value right. to the company there, there is that bottom bottom line that you still have to make yeah exactly right and so for us i mean we do a lot of training also so uh, if a client values the training that is for us a low cost item but might be a high right. value item to them mm -hmm. we ask them what would be good for them and then we use that and incorporate that. Once they've told us, yeah, yeah, that's so we can definitely get it done by the end of the month if it's the right offer. Mm -hmm. Great. Now it's time to do deal making, and we can make right. and we can make that happen. So, mm -hmm. but that's that's the secret. That's the something special is that's how you can ask the question without telegraphing your uh, your concession in advance mm -hmm. and having to. Right. And and you know one. It's like we said, something that is special to one person might not be for the other. And so by giving them that option of determining what is special, that's really where the deal comes in. Yeah, you're maximizing the value for that person. You're not assuming mm -hmm. that it's just money. Right. But James, holy cow, we have 30 seconds left. <laughs> I know. We're totally gelling here. It seems like the longer, know, we, the longer we go, the better it gets. And, and it, this is fascinating to me because I really am one of those people who I hate sales, you know, and, and, and I know I've left money on the table. I know I haven't even gotten to the table, you know, and, and all of these various things. So I definitely want to have you on again because I am learning so much from this and, and it's so very cool. So we'll get that set up. But in the meantime, how do people find your information and how do they buy your book? Okay. Well, uh, if they want to buy the book, it's easy enough. You just go to Amazon, type in the perfect close, and uh, I'll be the first thing that comes up on that list. So, um, it's, uh, again, available in Kindle and paperback. So 
great. Uh, if you'd like to try it out first, you could go to the website. That's really probably the best way to contact me is to go to puremuir.com. It's P-U-R-E-M-U-I-R.com. And like you mentioned, there's a ton of resources there. You can get a very good idea of what's in the book by just downloading all the resources that are sitting there uh, in the download section on the website. And uh, I am active on LinkedIn. You and I met on Facebook, right? I yeah. wasn't a Facebooker until mm -hmm. a year and a half ago, but uh, uh -huh. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I, I have somewhere near the maximum connections on LinkedIn. So I try to uh, accept all the connections I can, but I sometimes LinkedIn prevents me from doing that because I have 30,000 connections, but you, I still respond to all the messages. And I post a lot of things there that I, that if I'm not posting on my blog, which is about once or twice a week, then I'm, I'm posting it on LinkedIn. And that's about four times a day, actually. So there's a lot more content Perfect. there. I love it. I love it. And I'm lucky because I am one of your connections on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I just checked. I had to make sure. <laughs> yeah. So great. Well, James, this has been fabulous. And, and like I said, we will definitely do it again because I think, you know, it's, we can, there's so much more that we can delve into this, especially because so many people think, oh, I don't want to do sales, but I have to. And so the, the more tips we can give, the easier we can make it for them the better it is. So we will definitely have you on again. Yeah. You know, a lot, too many people think that selling is about persuasion or about convincing and it's not selling is service. If, right. you, if you understand that you are serving the person and you're trying to facilitate them making a decision and you're acting more like a coach, then mm -hmm. you're going to, you'll see far, far better results and, and you're going to, your happiness level will go through the roof. And, right. and so in addition to generating more, you're just that, that you'll be so much happier in the, uh, in the selling that you're doing from day to day, especially if you're in one of those positions where you're good at the technical, technical part of the business, but the selling component mm -hmm. that you have to do sometimes is on entrepreneur you don't enjoy using the approach that we're outlining there will get you all in alignment with your personal values. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been having a great time talking with James Muir today and until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>